Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to continue right here, marching right through 1 Peter. So we've been going through this whole thing, basically because, remember, the people that Peter's writing to are under severe persecution. They're either under it right now or they're about to go through it. So Peter is kind of like, this whole thing is like, what? not only like, what do you do um, in this type of situation where you're going to be under severe persecution or under severe attack of some kind? Um, but like, what, what do you need to focus on? So he, he kind of starts off essentially by like exalting Jesus, telling them all who they are and saying, look, I mean, obviously it's true. All the things he's saying are true no matter what, but it's like, especially true in a time where you don't know up from down where you're being attacked, where things are completely out of whack. So we're going to continue here. First Peter one twenty two, and it gets so powerful. I'm like super excited for this. So here's what he says. First Peter one verse 22, since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Now I want you to understand, like, it's not like you can purify yourself. So what he isn't saying here, which would contradict everything Paul said and everything Peter's going to say is somehow you're bringing purification to yourself. That's not that's not what he means. He says you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls or made complete your souls. What he's saying is like once again uh, purified, made complete, made made the way it should be. He's basically just saying like you've heard the truth and because of that you I mean you're radically changed in Christ Jesus and you're purified your souls essentially by walking out the truth. So in obedience to the truth. In other words, you're walking out and living in such a way that reflects your internal reality. That's called purifying your soul for a sincere love of the brethren. And I want you to understand something right now is that every single law that's given, every single, um, every single like if you want to call them rules, not really rules, but every time God says like, hey, don't do this or do that, I want you to know they are all serving love. Every single law, if you want to, whatever you want to call it, like every single commandment is there to serve love. So it's not... So sometimes people will read these these rules or even some principles that are laid down in a lot of the New Testament writings and go, oh, there's another rule that we need to apply. And if we're not applying that rule, then somehow we're not on fire or we're not like we're not following the word of God instead of understanding why is that there? And they're always there to maximize love. Every single, the job of every commandment is to maximize love in every single place and in every single time. So what he's saying is if you do that, if you actually walk in truth and purify your souls by walking in who you are in Christ Jesus, you're doing so out of basically for a sincere love of the brethren. And then right after that, he says, fervently love one another from the heart. So I want you to understand, like he, he basically says two things. He's saying one of the ways you love is specifically being obedient to the truth. So you're actually walking in who you are. And there's a million ways to do that. I'm not going to go into that right now. But he, he, he talks about like physically doing that. So there's like literal ways you can love people, obviously. I think Heidi Baker says it like this. Love looks like something. So I totally get that. But then the second thing he says is, 
um, fervently love one another from the heart. It's like he's basically saying it's not good enough to perform the actions. And, and sometimes I call this like a I call it like a trained monkey. So this that might be horribly insulting to some people. But but sometimes I think like a trained monkey is someone like you can train people to perform like you can train a dog to perform tricks. You can train people to perform and religion would love to to train people to perform essentially to to jump through love hoops, you know, to say, well, you're supposed to do this and give that and show up here and serve there and and bring a meal to this person and and and, and do this to that person. And those you know, those are all good things. They're all fine, but they are they fall way short of the gospel because he says fervently love one another from the heart. Um, you know, literally, like, it has to come out of a real place of change. Like, and, you know, people can tell, I don't know if you know this, but people definitely can tell when you're doing something because you're a trained monkey and there actually isn't love in your heart. That's the thing you can't give people. Like, you can train people to perform and to act in certain ways, um, just like the Pharisees did. They could act in all kinds of ways, but the love of God was far from their hearts. And I want you to know, people, like leaders, if you're listening to this and you're leading a church, like it isn't good enough that you just perform stuff. You actually have to carry the Father's love. You have to carry his love in your heart. And I know some of you, if you don't know, have a clue what I'm talking about. It's probably because you don't have it. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, come before the Lord. You need to encounter his love. His heart your, will break your heart and you can actually carry his love. And that's the only way that you can fervently love one another from the heart. Because in a transformed heart is where his love flows. So I just want you to hear that. We, need, we don't need any more trained monkeys performing acts of love and acts of service. Um, you know, as good as those acts might be, we need people who actually carry the heart of God. Uh, verse 23, for you have been born again. And I just love that. Like here's where he says, you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. Meaning like you haven't, this whole birth that you've been born, it's like it will never die. It will never go away. It is who you are. That is through the living and enduring word of God. And listen, he describes it like this. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. And again, he's not talking about the word of God like the Bible, although obviously we believe the Bible is the word of God. That, that's not what I mean. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the word of God that is the truth that comes forth in the form of the gospel that transforms who you are. And that word will endure forever. So it'll take you through anything. And again, this all comes down to who is God and who are you? Your identity, especially in a crisis, is what is most often attacked the hardest or the God's identity. Either one, if he can attack God's identity, that will shape yours. And if he can attack your identity, it will get you to, to kind of like distance yourself from God, like, like pull away from him and pull away from people and pull away from your calling if you don't know who you are. So then he basically says, look, because of all that stuff, or a therefore is next, First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says, basically, because all that stuff is true, because you're transformed, because you're on fire, he says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
So if you don't really know what that is, let's go look at this really quick. He's like, therefore, because all that stuff is true, you've been putting aside all malice. Now, malice is like a real sick sort of evil intent um, towards your brethren that you're sort of concealing in your heart. So it's like, again, not good enough to be a trained monkey who has evil, just feels horrible towards people, but you're performing all the right things. Um, Malice is like an evil intent in the heart and all deceit. Once again, you're like acting a certain way, but in your heart, it really isn't true. Like you've got to come before the Lord and say, give me your heart. Oh God, I need to be born again. And hypocrisy. And of course, this is an interesting word that later became to be associated with like actors. So I want you to understand a lot of people say, well, I don't go to church because it's a bunch of hypocrites, bunch of hypocrites at church. So I can't go to church, bunch of hypocrites. Look at, I mean, the hypocrisy is not, is absolutely not um, having some moral standard by which you fall short of. I mean, that is not hypocrisy because none of us are saying we are walking this out absolutely perfectly. None of us are saying that. So that isn't hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is to act and say in one way and actually have in your heart a completely different one, like being an actor. So it's like being an actor is you're pretending a part. You're, you're pretending a certain part that you don't actually have. Like it's not actually part of who you are. You know, no real believer is is like that. No real believer has hypocrisy because, you know, we're saying, look, man, we fail sometimes. Like we don't walk this out perfectly. We believe in a perfect God who has made us perfect in Christ Jesus, but we don't always have our inward perfection manifest in our outward reality. That doesn't always happen. You know, we fall short of our own godly standards, but we still have the godly standards. We're saying he is the standard and he has allowed us to walk in it and to completely be in it, even though on the outward, we don't always measure up. So that's not hypocrisy. Like the church, I mean, maybe some churches are full of hypocrites, but not the ones I've been to. Like, to be honest, there aren't a lot of hypocrites in the churches I've been to. It's just genuine, honest, transparent, loving people who are, tr- who are seeking Jesus with all they have and need leaders who are going to tell them who they are in Christ Jesus, that we could rise up and walk this out in perfection. Once again, not, not necessarily outwardly in perfection, but inwardly understanding we're perfect and holy in Christ Jesus. We need leaders who are going to step up and speak this out forth and understand that we're not hypocrites. Um, and those of you who are hypocrites, you know, you can either be in the church and be a forgiven hypocrite, or you can be a hypocrite outside and be unforgiven. But that's up to you. Like, that's whether or not you want to bow the knee to Jesus. Either way, you're going to have to you're gonna need the forgiveness of the Lord God. Um, so hypocrisy and envy... Oh my gosh, envy. That is just a weird thing right now, isn't it? Like envy that I see going on in the church is the strangest thing. I, th- this is one of the things that I, I kind of came across honestly recently. I, I didn't realize like how much this was going on. And I mean, there's been so much preaching lately about like, don't look for platforms and don't, don't look for recognition and, and don't look for the microphone. And in fact, just serve, 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 serve. And, you know, I, I totally agree with that. Like, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, but I, I'm telling you, after sitting under a billion sermons that are all about serve, 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 don't look for the microphone, don't look for the, for the, the power, the position, the recognition, whatever, 
I, I don't know what's going on, but it's like going right over people's heads. And <laughs> I don't understand if this is like some kind of demonic thing or people's hearts are just not where they should be before the Lord. But I will actually sit there and I'll sit there doing these same sermons. Well, okay, let's clean toilets and not have anything to do with the microphone, which again is fine. I, I, I like that attitude. I try and foster that attitude in myself because I want to love and I just want to be in the heart of God. Um, but I'm telling you, it's weird because the same people I'll be sitting with in these sermons, like they'll nod their heads, they'll amen. And the very next thing is they are envious of the person getting the position and the recognition over them. Like it's, it is the weirdest thing. So I just want to tell you, I don't, just because you've heard a hundred sermons on not envying and on not seeking the microphone and whatever, it doesn't mean you actually have gotten that in there. Cause I, 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 I can't tell you how many times I've sat and, and, under these sermons and the same people and watch them act completely the opposite. So, you know, you have envy in your heart when someone else is promoted over you and you're super mad about it instead of rejoicing in the rejo in the brother, which means you have insecurity, which means you don't really know who you are in Christ Jesus, with, which, which means you haven't rested in the father's heart and rested in the father's love. Again, that's where all these things come from. And he says, and all slander, which um, is basically Christian witchcraft. It's like to slander someone is to agree with demons. And from your high place before the throne of God, you're actually agreeing with demonic lies over someone and empowering them by let it, letting it come out of your mouth. So we really don't want to go there, you know, with slander. And again, all that comes from is the previous one. It comes from envy. Um, it, you envy someone, so you slander them because you can't stand it. You, and, you know, we, we've all gone there in some way, and it's like, blech, like this this cannot be part of us. That's where he says put, putting aside. Literally, the Greek is like strip off, like you would rip clothes off. It's like strip off all of these things. Like, like this is something that we cannot afford to do, and we cannot afford to walk in right now. And he says, instead, like the opposite, is like newborn babies – Long for the pure milk of the word. And my goodness, is this needed right now. I, if you want to know what the pure milk of the word is, it is actually, so let me tell you what, well, let me read that next verse or the same verse, how he continues his thought. Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So basically what he's saying is like, if you focus and long for the pure milk of the word, you will grow in respect to salvation, meaning that the, your salvation that you already have will manifest itself through your life and in the earth if you focus on the pure milk of the word. And here's what I find is so weird is like I find so many people, especially charismatics, they are not focused on the pure milk of the word. Here's what they would rather focus on. And again, we did just talk about slander and stuff. But what we what I what I hear is 800 sermons on gossip and slander and the Jezebel spirit and the orphan spirit and, um, you know, whatever, like a, like a million other like prophetic this and prophetic that um, and, and, and all this other stuff that is fine. I don't I don't there's a place for that. I don't, I don't disagree with teaching on those things. I think there's a place to talk about those. But when those are 80% of the topic and the simple power of the real gospel is almost never talked about, 
we're going to have a problem and people will not grow in respect to salvation. They'll be so focused on the Jezebel spirit and gossip and slander that they won't understand that how you actually get over all these things is by longing for the pure milk of the word, which is what he's saying. He's like, the way you get over malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander is not to focus on them. It's not to, not to give every sermon about gossip and envy and slander and the Jezebel spirit and the orphan spirit and all this other stuff. The way you get over it is for longing for the pure milk of the word. So we need to, so what is the pure milk of the word? Well, basically what the pure milk of the word is is the gospel. It is it is the depths of what the gospel is. The Lord Jesus Christ dying, rising again, and by you bowing the knee to him, you are radically transformed on the inside and out into a new creation. These things need to be preached about in detail, taught about, thought about, dwelled upon, longed for, and seen manifest in the earth. See, people think that because they said a prayer one time 20 years ago at a prayer meeting that somehow now they understand the gospel. I'm telling you, you don't understand crap. Like, you really don't. I don't know if that's offensive. Can I, I don't know if I, it's my podcast. I can say crap. Anyway, <laughs> that's a cuss word here or not, but I'm just saying right now, it is not, it, you don't understand. None of us do. Like we will never, ever, especially this side of eternity, exhaust the simple gospel. It is not even known to one one thousandth of what it can be known for. It's not even known for a thousandth of what it is because we think we already understand. And in fact, we're so far that we don't, we don't even have a clue about the depth of this one simple thing. I mean, I have right now uh, five teachings that I'm, I'm not going to do here. I'm probably going to do in some kind of school or something. It's looking like that's the way it's going to go. I don't know how that's going to manifest. My buddy Keith Hines, who I do another podcast with is uh you know he's he's the brilliant guy behind uh thinking up all this stuff but anyways um I'm probably gonna do it there but i'm telling you right now i have 10 hours of teaching at least probably more like 20 hours of teaching and it is simply on how the pure milk of the word the pure simple gospel can actually massively change you and change the earth and change the world. And we're talking about, you know, the Jezebel spirit for six hours and, and not understanding that we don't even understand the gospel. So I just want to throw that out to you guys just so you can chew on that for a little bit. Um, and, and anyway, okay, so I think that's probably, I'm going to stop right here with verse three. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Remember, if you have not tasted the kindness of the Lord, First of all, you haven't entered into covenant with him. You don't understand the gospel, and it will be almost impossible to long for the pure milk of the word, and it will be impossible to truly be free of gossip and slander and envy and hypocrisy and malice and deceit and all the other stuff that he talks about. Like, we have to encounter the kindness of the Lord in the power of the simple gospel in order to actually walk in what we're called to do. Again, remember, this is not you performing. This is you encountering, dying completely, entering into the covenant of God and being born again where you think differently, feel differently. Everything about you is radically changed and you have to believe you're radically changed, completely perfect in Christ Jesus. You are not in process. You are completely changed the moment you believe. Now, your outward behavior, your thoughts and your feelings, sometimes those may be in process, but which, by the way, I don't think they should be. I actually believe that they should completely 100% change the moment you come to Christ. And I have a million reasons for why I think that doesn't happen. 
Um, but again, um, a lot of people's experiences that it isn't why and there's a lot of reasons for that. And they end up having those things being a process, but I honestly don't think they are supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be instantaneous. And I think it's supposed to just increase in its impact in your environment and in the world as time goes on. Um, but we don't have time to get into that. Maybe I'll get into that next week where, uh, Peter talks about what it is to be a living stone and to be built up as part of a community and how all that works. So we'll enter into that next week. Um, hope you got a little bit about out of this little slice of the word. We're going to continue more um, with the next podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link. Thank you.